Good evening, and welcome back. <laughs> this is movement number two, and it's going to be the combined week 13 and 14, Jesus' baptism and his temptation in the wilderness. As you can tell, we're doing a little reshuffling because of the past few weeks. This is kind of unprecedented. We haven't missed this many before in the years we've been doing this. So we're all learning here. Um, I was curious whether Ignatius actually covered this part. You know, what happens if you miss a few weeks? And I found it. Annotation number 72. Most translations don't have 72 annotations. This one does. <laughs> Should the exercises be interrupted due to inclement and intolerable weather, <laughs> it is likely that severe desolation will overwhelm <laughs> most exorcists. We're, we're exorcists is what we are. And then it says, he's always helpful, uh, great care must be exercised to restore the participants to their rhythm of prayer. So with great care and grace, I want to invite you back into your rhythm of prayer. And I think there's two things that uh, we can hit on for this. One, we want these exercises not to just be an academic eight-month curriculum that you check off and you've, you're done. We want these to be formative for the rest of your life. So as you look at the big picture, missing two or three weeks is just a little blip on the, it's no big deal. Um, Eugene Peterson has this book uh, called... Uh, um, A long, a long, help me, obedience. a long obedience in the same direction. Yeah, and that's what we would like to set our eyes on as we learn how to pray in different ways with St. Ignatius. The second thing is probably the most important spiritual discipline if you want to set out on a long obedience in the same direction. And I think it's captured really good in this little antidote. We are told that a monk, given 30 seconds to describe life in his monastery for a television interview, replied, we fall down, and then we get up. We fall down, and then we get up. We fall down, and then we get up. Now, this anecdote only has 30 seconds, but I think if he was given a minute, I think I'd know where he was going to go there. Yes. When I saw this, I was curious, is this, an, is this anecdotal or is this, or is this real? So I Googled it. And I still don't know whether it's fiction or not, but someone wrote a song about it. You can, you can listen to this on YouTube. It's, it's really good. Just Google, we fall down and we get up. But it goes, some of the lyrics go, yeah, I don't sing. So, uh, And every day he passed a monastery, high cathedral walls, and it made his life seem meaningless and small. And he wondered how I would be to live in such a place, to be warm, well-fed, and at peace, to, sh 
to shut the world away. So when he saw a priest who walked for once beyond the iron gate, he said, tell me of your life inside that place. And the priest replied, we fall down, we get up, we fall down, we get up, we fall down, we get up, and the saints are just the sinners who fall down and get up. So in your small group this evening, if all you brought this evening was yourself, a very appropriate response when it comes down to your turn to talk is, I fell down. I'm going to get back up. So what we're going to do next is just a Alexio Divina with a passage in Hebrews. And I just want to invite you uh, to put everything actually down and to get yourself comfortable in your chair, uh, gather yourself in this space, and just enjoy as the Lord ministers to you with the word as we slow down and we actually digest it and allow it to feed, feed our souls. So as you know, we're going to go through four readings, and I invite you during that first reading just to really settle in, and I'll then give you directions for the others. But go ahead and close your eyes, get yourself comfortable, and then I will uh, begin. And I just invite you during this first reading to listen to the Word of God, to let it just wash over you, uh, help you to become present into this space. This is from Hebrews 5, 7 through 9. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Just give you a few minutes to allow that to sink in.
So on the second reading, I invite you to reflect on the word of God. And as we listen for the second time, be aware of any thought or phrase that really stands out to you. And just spend some time with that. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what was suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So on this third reading, I want to invite you to respond to the word of God, to be aware of any prayer that has risen up within you that expresses what you're experiencing in this word. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And, once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him.
So on this last reading, it's an invitation to rest in the word of God. So just sit with this word that he's giving you and allow God to speak to you in the silence of your hearts. God's first language tends to be silence. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what was suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So if you would like to take a few moments just to journal, uh, go ahead and pick up your journals and uh, write a few notes about how the Lord spoke to you during that time. If you just prefer to stay in the quiet, you're feel, feel free to do that, and I'll close us in just a minute with a prayer. Almighty God, thank you for the gift of your word. May we take the word or phrase that spoke to us, the thought 
that we became aware of and the prayer that came from our hearts into the activity of our day as a reminder of our genuine desire to consent to your presence and action in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, loud cries and tears. At least that's how I remember that verse. Is that what your prayer time is like? Jesus offering up his prayers with loud cries and tears. I think so many times we, uh, we try and think of our spirituality. I don't know, that term has just grabbed so much Eastern mysticism that we all think we ought to be, you know, totally passive and, you know, no emotional bumps or anything like that. But the divine human man in his prayer offered up his prayers with loud cries and tears. Um, and, and I want to encourage you as we you know, kind of get back on the, the imaginative prayer horse here. We're going to step in, and I, and I want you to take out your, your handouts there and turn to page 82. We're going to start looking at Jesus in his adult life, you know, we're adults, he's adults, you know, we should be, be making a connection. And, and I, I encourage you to try and feel what our Lord felt. I believe the Holy Spirit loves to help us with that. That's part of being, um, being close, having an intimate, that's a personal relationship with somebody, right? You feel what they feel. Sympathy, empathy, you know, I mean, you have this connection. And we want to have it with Christ. And the Holy Spirit will help us to do this. So let yourself. I, I you know, I, I speak especially to some of the men, you know, and maybe this is a sexist thing to say, but we're, we stink at emotional stuff mostly. It's just, uh, I don't know, maybe it's my generation, but we do. And so, but I encourage you, you know, you feel a lump in your throat when you're praying. That is not a bad thing. You're not doing it wrong. I would say just the opposite. You're doing it right. You're, you're, you're beginning to feel what Christ felt. And that, that's such a, uh, an emotional passage that, you know, Christy just took us through. And that's what jumps out at me there. You know, my Lord, you know, the one who cleansed the temple, who went to the cross, did all these things, loud cries and tears. I think of him in the garden, too, you know, when it was so emotional. Um, so I, I think we're quite different in our spirituality than the, the Eastern mysticism. Ours is one that is a, is a spirituality of Christ you know, and the Holy Spirit, you know, who groans for us and prays for us and... Know, lifts us up. So anyway, we're going to look at, we're going to put these two weeks together, and I think they go together well. Jesus' baptism and his temptation in the wilderness. Um, and I, I think they go together really well, and when you look at um, the scripture, you will see that they are put right next to each other. They are right next to each other. I mean, Mark basically, you know, goes 
one verse, next verse, he's in the wilderness. And Mark loves that word immediately. Right? Immediately. Boom. You know, he's there. And I, if you do even a closer reading, some of you know the original languages. If you look at the word about that he was um, sent into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, that is exa- it's not a word that's commonly used. And it's the word, same word that was used when Jesus cast out spirits. Cast out demons. That's a, it's the same word that the Holy Spirit cast Jesus into the wilderness. You know, really powerful. Put that together with beloved, which he heard just one verse before that. You know, just because you're in the wilderness doesn't mean you're not beloved, right? So here's what we're going to talk about and the grace that we're seeking, right? In Jesus' baptism on page 82, we're seeking to know Jesus intimately, to love him more intensely, to follow him more closely. And I encourage you to, you know, to read these paragraphs. They're well done. You know, we're going to contemplate Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. It's a critical moment of decision and change in his life. Right? Decision and change in his life. As it was for all those who were baptized by John, this event marks the end of one manner of life and the beginning of another. It also serves as an invitation to enter more deeply and personally into the meaning of baptism and to take stock of the changes that have happened and are yet to happen because we are following Jesus. You know, he's been at home. He's been at home. He's been working the oldest child, right? Joseph is, we believe, died sometime. So Jesus is probably around 30 now. Been working, I imagine, supporting the family, oldest male. Now he's leaving, right? From his home in Nazareth to the area where John is baptizing is about 70 miles. It's a bit of a hike. You know, and, and when you think of this, you can think of these in, you know, what I, I liked it. What, it. what was the conversation between Jesus and his mom when it was time for him to go? You know, his siblings, people that knew him in the town. I mean, what were these conversations? Um, what did he think about while he was walking 70 miles? I, I don't know that I've ever walked 70 miles. What did he think about? Was he by himself? Did he stop at night and offer up prayers with loud cries and tears? Was he worried? Was he anxious about what was to come? What did he know? I mean, these are things that you know, we don't have the answers to in Scripture. But we are like Jesus in our humanity. And I believe that he would, what we think about and feel as we're contemplating these things are what he thought about and felt. Big changes. Now this... Uh, this week, you know, and I'm going to say, go ahead and divide it, divide it up. You know, try and do half on the baptism and half about the wilderness time. But if if the Lord is really speaking to you in something, go ahead and stay there for a little while longer. But don't totally neglect, you know, either one. Um, but it says to enter more fully into Jesus' experience of baptism. You know, approach the event from different viewpoints, different characters. What's Mary thinking about? as Jesus is departing. How about John the Baptist? I mean, we have quite a bit in the scripture about John the Baptist. And you can look around, not just the scriptures we have. Um, What was Jesus thinking about? 
And um, Val asks, you know, that we can do this triple colloquy. And it's part of the handout that's here, the triple colloquy on page 84, before contemplating Jesus' baptism. And you can work through that. You know, a, a colloquy is just a conversation, a little conversation. And you're trying to have a conversation with the participants. Maybe a character stands out to you, Mary, John the Baptist, and you have a conversation. Then you have a conversation with Christ. Right? And, and a good thing to, to have the conversation about is the grace you're asking for. You know, I want to know you more intimately. I want to feel what you felt. You know, and to have this conversation. And then uh, finally, the last part of the colloquy, ask the Father directly for the graces that you're seeking, right? We can go to the Father directly. We're invited. We have the, you know, we have the ID badge, right? We can flash that ID badge and get right in. So we shouldn't hesitate to do that. So read down. Uh, We've got a couple of scriptures that are not from uh, the Gospels. Romans 6, about being baptized into his death. Right? We're baptized into his death. And, and in being that, we are dead to sin. Right? Dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. Right? In Christ Jesus. Um, I love that verse. It's... Um, it's 2 Corinthians, it's like 4, 6 or something like that. But we, where God says he gives us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. All in the face of Jesus Christ. Right? All in the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and that's who we want to look at when you're, when, you're, when you're sitting there and you put yourself imaginatively into the scene. Look at the face of Christ. Right? At some point, make eye contact with Christ. You know, it, it'll change you. It, it's, it's impacting. And so if it's you know, imaginative prayer, once again, we've got on the back on page 85 is imaginative prayer exercise for the baptism of Jesus. So you can read through that you know, as you do the scripture, and it gives you the a little bit of perspective, kind of fills it out. So it allows you to set yourself into the scene. And then let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Make some notes in your journal as you do this, and I encourage you, especially as emotions come over you. You know, um, I can remember when I, I've done this a number of times, and at one point, you know, watching Jesus being baptized and then feeling like I was invited to come out and be baptized. You know, and it just it lets yourself experience being baptized. You know, we, I think everybody in here has probably been baptized. I know when I did it in, imaginatively, all of a sudden I was back in a church in South Carolina coming up out of the water. You know, feeling that, you know, I hadn't thought about that in forever. And uh, so a good thing. So then move right on into the wilderness. Just like Jesus did, right? Straight from, oh yeah, and don't forget, you know, as you, you want to hear, and especially we want you to hear one thing in the baptism. We want you to hear beloved, right? The heavens open and the father calls his son beloved. You know? 
And I want you to think about, does that apply to you? We're going to show you a video in a couple minutes here of Henry Nouwen. I hope you know who he is or have heard of him. Uh, who's going to talk about what that means to be beloved. But if there's one thing that we would want you to take away from these exercises, if there's one thing that we think that if you really hit it in your heart that would transform you, it is the true knowledge that you are beloved by God. That you, Even when you're in the wilderness, you're beloved by God. Even when your loud cries and tears, you're feeling them, you are beloved by God. It's the most important thing. And we're going to give you a little thing to remind you here at the end. But then, then right from the baptism into the temptation. Go ahead and read those scriptures and just read right over them all. And, and now we're going to be seeking the graces in the wilderness um, to be close to Jesus in, in weakness. Now, I like to think of Jesus, you know, strong, you know, kicks butt on those spirits, you know, cleanses the temple. I mean, all that kind of stuff. I like that. But the weakness part, you know, I, I feel it, you know. When you, when you feel the weakness, the victory becomes all the more emphatic. It really carries you. It becomes so much more important. Notice what holds you back from your full identity as a son or daughter of God. Your full identity, your true self, your belovedness. What's holding you back from that? You know, you want the grace to see that. You know, what is there unconscious sin, sin you don't know about that you can't see? The Spirit will reveal it to you. And of course, we want to continue to know Jesus intimately, intensely, follow him more closely. So we're going to ponder, as Val writes in here, the high-stakes battle that he waged with the devil in defense of his identity as the beloved son of the father. Defense, and that's where I think Satan attacks, right? I mean, he really attacks us, you know, look at you, right? Shame on you. You are this, you are that. You are anything but worthy. Yeah, but we are worthy in Christ, right? So he doesn't like it. When he does that, if we run to the cross, that really irritates him, so I love it. All right. Um, in, the ne in the second paragraph, and I'm on page 86, the first line in the second paragraph says, often important clues about God's specific purpose for our lives are hidden deep inside our wounds. They really are. They're hidden deep inside our wounds, our vulnerabilities, and the temptations that plague us. And we find those in the wilderness. We find those in the wilderness. And then we spend time seeing Jesus and his temptations. Invite Jesus to come into your temptations, into your failures, into the things that dog you and have dogged you for years and you just look the other way. We've all got them. And you want that, you know, the week of prayer to be characterized by a sense of profound sense of mutuality with Jesus. So the scriptures are listed there. And encouragement is for background prayer to take something with you during the day that you're just playing it in the background while you're going about your business to be conscious. 
of, uh, of Christ, of you with Christ, Christ with you, that you are a beloved son or daughter. Um, and doing the daily examine, right, where you sit, review your day before God, let the Holy Spirit guide you, right? It's in, in the prayer resources in the back of your book if you've kind of fallen off on that practice. Loyola thought that if there was one prayer practice, that only one that he could hang on to, it would be that one, the daily examine. So it's not just looking for sin, it's, it's looking for closeness with God, right? We've talked about consolation and desolation. It's looking for these. It's being attentive to what's going on as we walk through our day, what's going on in the spiritual part of our life. I think it was Ned sent me a quote know, a few weeks ago. He's always sending me stuff, but this was actually good. <laughs> but what it, maybe you'll have to remind me, but it's, it tells us what we choose to be attentive to in our life. There are so many things going on. The things that we choose to be attentive to, they become the experiences that we build our life on. I thought it was really profound because there is a lot going on and you can choose to be attentive to things that are not edifying or you can choose to be attentive to things that really do build you up and transform you into being more like Christ. So the scripture there, and there are some readings in the notebook articles. You can see that. So we want to show you Henry Nowen, much better, excellent teacher. And uh, then we got a special gift for you.